Hi, and welcome to Mill Creek Podcasts. We're so glad that you're here with us today because I think this is going to be a really interesting podcast. This is Craig Nienaber, and I have with me today Mill Creek's first two-cent missionaries. And uh, it's Dustin and Jamie. You will probably know if you're at Mill Creek who they are. We're only using first names today because that will keep their options open as they pursue the mission field in the future. But um, Dustin with his wife left in 2004 for the mission field. Jamie and his wife left in 2001. And they've got a lot of experience. What we're gonna do is talk today about the changing face of missions as the world itself changes. And then ways that missions will, will never change. Uh, this is especially fun for me because I've known both these guys for a long time. Dustin for 20 years, maybe longer. Uh, Jamie, even longer than that because, just full disclosure, he is married to my daughter. So uh, we know each other pretty well. And what's even, what's fun too is that Dustin and Jamie are friends and, and were before they both left. So what we're going to do is start today with five minutes from each of these guys to tell about their mission experience so far. And five minutes isn't much, I know it's not fair. But after that, then we're gonna talk for a while about what they're doing today and what the, their ministry looks like in the future and what missions looks like in the future for them. So I'm going to presume on my relationship with Jamie and make him go first and tell everything about the last 20 years in five, in five minutes. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Yeah, actually, uh, I was hanging out with Dustin on Sunday, and we were talking about how, you know, this journey began almost 20 years ago. And, you know, just kind of reminiscing about the process of Mill Creek sending us out. Uh, we first got deployed to Tajikistan, which is in Central Asia, uh, close to 20 years ago now. Uh, we were young, newlyweds, right out of college, raring to go, and we got placed uh, in southern Tajikistan, close to the Afghanistan border. We spent quite a number of years there uh, learning our first version of the Persian language uh, and, and also getting our feet wet in our first experience in church planting. Uh, after 2008, we we're back in Kansas City. It's a long story, uh, not appropriate for five minutes. Uh, but eventually we ended up uh, being redeployed to Istanbul, Turkey. And the main reason for that and the connecting piece of that puzzle for us was that we were able to continue working with Persians uh, in, in Istanbul, Turkey, uh, because of the influx of refugees uh, from Iran and Afghanistan. Uh, so the Iranians are quite possibly the most responsive uh, group of people to the gospel in the world right now, especially amongst Muslim communities. And so it was a great opportunity to be uh, introduced to uh, that people, that language, that culture in, in Istanbul. So we started a church there called Mujde, which continues to this day, and I still have a lot of friends there. Uh, and so we were there for four years uh, working with Iranians. And also that was the years that I first started to get to know Afghans as well and, and, and learn a little bit about their culture and 
it's basically the same language be between those three peoples, but there are, are some differences that I was starting to get exposed to. And then uh, close to about five years ago, we moved to Los Angeles. Uh, and the reason for that, and we can talk about this a little bit more later, is uh, even, well, outside of Iran itself, there's more Iranians in Los Angeles than anywhere else in the world. Uh, it's a cultural hub. It's closing in on a million uh, Iranian people uh, in, in the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area. Uh, so we spent the last four years uh, doing a church plant with an Iranian from Tehran. Uh, we planted Grace Iranian, Iranian Church, Kilisaria Faiz, uh, in LA. And also I was serving as pastor at a small uh, Afghan fellowship as well. And so I continued to, to do those themes the last four years. And then a year ago, we moved back to Kansas City. And that brings us up to the present. Uh, thank you. That was really well done. That was even under five minutes. Um, Dustin, do you think you can do the same? We'll see. <laughs> so my wife Nikki and I headed out uh, in 2004. Um, I had had some exposure before then and decided uh, through short-term things to go back uh, to China uh, to, to serve there. And we got out there and immediately went to language school in Hong Kong, uh, learning Cantonese uh, and, uh, for about two years and then went in for another couple years in a small city uh, in southern China. Uh, at that time, we were working with the registered church uh, with a, a good group of people out there. And I, um, well, we, we had identified another church in a smaller city outside of uh, there. And we were helping them to start a new church in yet another uh, city further away. They didn't have anything going on. And, uh, and they were over, over the course of that time, were able to start uh, a small group that would develop into a church uh, in there. And as much as I'd like to think it was my... Um, great training and knowledge that, that helped that happen. I think more than anything, it was the fact that somebody came from across the planet to go be with these poor village ladies that were really old and uh, didn't have very many, they weren't of high value, you know, in society, but we were uh, helping to encourage them and, and give them the push to um, reach out to this other town uh, and, and develop it there. <clears throat> but not long after we arrived, um, it was clear that the, the work there was going really well, but it was closing up because it had gone so well and we needed to go to other places. So after a year in the States in 2009, we um, went back and um, moved, the team went to all different directions and we moved to the, the big city of Shenzhen, um, right across the border from Hong Kong, uh, one of the biggest cities in the world. Um, and when we got there, we didn't really know a lot about what we were gonna do. We knew we were studying Mandarin, um, but we didn't know what it, what what our ministry was going to look like because so we spent a lot of time learning uh, and figuring out what the city needed and we learned that the city had some churches in it that were reaching some some people but the people they were reaching was a pretty small slice of the uh, entire population it's the evangelism method that pretty much was only being done was invite your friend to church and let the pastor talk to him which was again working for some people but they needed some help with some new ideas so we kind of made that our niche uh, and got, learned more about disciple making movements and how to help them make disciples in a more relational way. Um, yeah. And when we got there, we didn't have a team at all, uh, but uh, within uh, a year or two, we acquired quite a bit um, of a team. It grew really big, really fast. Um, 
maybe we, that's one of the reasons we got so tired. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of new people. Uh, but one of the uh, new uh, couples there was from Oak Creek as well, Peter and Kim. Um, and they actually helped us start a business there. We saw that in the city, it was a, um, there was a really big need for, um, to, to reach uh, young people, especially in their places of work. Uh, a lot of people in their 20s uh, were still open to new ideas, but uh, they uh, were at work all the time. So this business got us into those, those corporations so I could teach English to them. And out of that, we were able to get um, uh, invitations out to uh, uh, English Corner and eventually into a secret Bible study for the people that were interested. And lots and lots of people got uh, thoroughly exposed to the gospel in the secret Bible study. But one of the coolest things about it was I was able to take Christians from the um, from the city that I'd meet and help them. They were helping me in these studies, but they were learning how to do them themselves. So then they could do them with their friends, which of course is, is more effective. Um, and over the last few years, a lot has changed in China. Uh, things have gotten a lot tighter. I would say that uh, compared to like two or three years ago, probably about 90% of the missionaries that I knew are gone. Uh, wow. It's it's getting really hard to be there. And so uh, that stress got to us after a while too. Uh, and yeah. so last winter we decided to, uh, we needed a major change or we were going to burn out. So we're back in the U.S. this year. But it ended up being a really great timing because our company had to shut down and there's really no way to be in China right now anyway. So it, it worked out okay. Yeah. Well, great. You nailed five minutes too. Thank you. Um, I, I want to ask both you guys is from what you just said, Dustin, it sounds like the premise of this podcast is um, accurate that in some ways the world is changing, which is going to require us to do missions in a different way. Do you guys uh, agree with that? Yeah, I think we, we have to, um, keep thinking of creative ideas. We, uh, I think missions has been changing in the last 50 years, just as the whole Western dominance of the world is, is slipping. Um, and, you know, most Western missionaries can't have as easy access as we used to have. Yeah. Yeah, Jamie, do you agree? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, you know, as you had asked this question to be thinking about, I definitely given some thought and I, I can remember when, when Ashley and I first uh, were getting sent out um, initially to Tajikistan, uh, somebody in leadership said several times, and I still remember this, he said, you know, what we're looking for, you know, the kind of commitment that we're looking for is, is to leave your bones. And, and he was, he was saying that, you know, in more of the Hudson Taylor, we can use that example that Dustin would appreciate sort of that Hudson Taylor, like total immersion for life, be buried among your people, you know, go to that level. And I don't, I didn't know it. And Dustin probably didn't either when we headed out 20 years ago, but that world of Hudson Taylor, Taylor, I think was already, you know, kind of past. And, you know, I was able to, you know, from you guys, from my parents, I was still able to get, you know, VHS cassettes, if you remember what those are and watch the Chiefs game. I was able to go off, you know, to conferences and, you know, interact. Um, and so, like, I think that, you know, that's still the heart. You know, you did, you did mention at the outset that we were going to talk also today about the things that never change. Uh, 
and and the heart is still you know we want to leave our you know our bones with our people uh, especially because we don't Dustin and I at this point in our lives don't want to have to learn a new language either <laughs> so, <laughs> let's just let's just leave our bones there among the Persians and the Chinese uh, but we have to we have to think about the methodology of doing that like what is it what does it mean in this world you know to leave your bones in a place um, and and I think you know you know specifically uh, we can talk about um, a couple of ways that are definitely changing and were even when we first set it out. Um, but like geographically, you know, like you can look at like a place like Toronto, which is in North America, it's closing in on 8% Muslim, uh, you know, and that's only counting Muslims. You know, you also have Hindu communities and Sikh communities, etc. cetera. Uh, and I already mentioned in Los Angeles, uh, you know, there's, you know, just, just the Persians is close to a million. Um, and so you have opportunities there, um, just as, as I think the ease of travel, you know, the world has just opened up. And, there, you know, there are organizations that have noticed that more than others and have started to shift their methodology and even, you know, their, their statement of, of existence or, or their mission statement is to say, you know, there's one called Global Gates and their and their vision is like, we're going to hit these global cities knowing that these global cities, you know, are, are the world. Um, and, you know, also, like, I think this is surprising. Um, if you talk about, like, even unreached people groups, you know, places like China and India come to mind. And those are number one and two. Like, there's 1,500 unreached people groups and unreached people group being a place, you know, by definition that there's less than 2% of that group evangelical. And so, you know, China leads the pack with 1,500 such groups, followed by, uh, sorry, India leads the pack with 1,500 such groups, followed by China at number two. What's number three? It's the United States. That's probably not well known. And sometimes you, even within, you know, you know, the Iranians are an unreached people group because they're, you know, even though they're the most responsive to the gospel in the Muslim world right now, they're still, I believe, less than 1% evangelical. Um, but even within Iran itself, you have these other groups that are even less so. Like just one example, uh, we were, I was, you know, going about my business within the Iranian church community there in Los Angeles maybe two, two, two to three years ago. And this woman comes in and uh, I start sharing the gospel with her. We, you fast forward six months to her baptism uh, after she became a believer, which is an amazing story of God. It was miraculous. Uh, but then, you know, uh, I find out that she's from this tribe that according to, you know, the, the, the Joshua Project uh, website has no known believers in the world. Um, I, I, I believe that that's actually, praise God, not true. There is a couple of, of believers from her tribal uh, nomadic group. But just to say, like, who would have thought in the middle of Los Angeles you would have um, someone from a group that has no known believers, at least according to, you know, this research site. So the world, I think, of Hudson Taylor is definitely, is definitely changing. And, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, whereas maybe like, yes, we still want to leave our bones, but sometimes like in, in practice for us, you know, I'm, I'm right now, I'm discipling 
people, you know, on Wednesday, so just two, two days ago, every Wednesday we have a group with Afghans uh, and the Afghans that are, that are meeting and we're studying Romans together and most of them are new believers, but they're scattered all over the world. Like they sign into Zoom and we have this weekly meeting. They're in Turkey, uh, they're in Greece, sometimes on the islands where the refugees are. They're in Germany and Austria if they've progressed a little bit. They're uh, in, in the United States and we're all there meeting together. Um, and so sometimes for me to leave my bones increasingly is more like uh, maybe instead of leave your bones, it's like uh, leave your couch, at least so you can find a little bit stronger, you know, Wi-Fi signal. So the world has definitely changed. You know, those things were not definitely available, uh, you know, even, I mean, I can remember, sorry to monopolize the time and I'll stop, but I can remember when we first went to Tajikistan, you know, this is even in our lifetime. Uh, Ashley and I, I think we called home once the first whole year that we were on the field. And we had this team satellite phone that was like bigger than my head. And then we had to like follow the trajectory of satellites in order to get a signal to say Merry Christmas to you guys. And then now like any Tajik is on WhatsApp or Telegram and it's just a totally different world even from 20 years ago yeah dustin does that resonate with you as far as having different ways to gain access to people and be able to be with them right china is a bit of a different uh, ball game when it comes to technology because they work hard at isolating china from the rest of the world so the nobody in china has whatsapp or anything like that they have their own versions of it that are only used pretty much in China. And as China looks to export that kind of um, technology control to other countries, um, that might become more of an issue across the world in the future. It's hard to know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it certainly allows me to be able to stay in touch with people um, and then keep encouraging them from over here where it would have been very difficult to do that 20 years ago. Yeah. So um, in are you able then to, is this, I should ask first, is this a year of study for you or what are your plans for the coming year? Right, I'm, I'm studying, uh, we're figuring out our next steps and resting some too. Yeah, okay. And your next steps could be going overseas or could be from here? Right, our plan is to go back to Asia, preferably with Chinese speaking people somewhere. We just haven't figured out where that is yet. We're also looking at a training role uh, in our agency part-time to train missionaries across the area. Okay. And uh, if you were to go back, would anything change in the way that you approach missions, approach sharing Christ with people from what you were doing in past years? Right, yeah. If I mean, like I said, we haven't figured it out. If we can to focus a lot on mainland China. We'd, I'd like to be able to fly, you know, uh, there um, pretty frequently to, to, to visit, um, even though I don't think we can live there at the moment. If those doors open up, uh, I'd really be excited about doing that. And that would probably also come along with more calls and things like that. Yeah. Good. I, I was reading um, in a book I just started. So it's a new book, something that fascinated me. It seems counterintuitive. It was that um, we all assume that the world is growing more secular, but that's not actually the truth. 
uh, that it's actually growing more religious, not necessarily more Christian, but more open to faith. And the question is where Christian, evangelical Christianity will fall in that in years to come. Was that your experience in China, or do you think that China, again, is a different animal? Yeah, I think it's a different animal. They work really hard at brainwashing, I guess, is the word, too, <laughs> uh, through, through the schools and stuff there to teach that atheism is, is assumed a scientific fact, and anyone who believes otherwise is, is just ignorant. But, so it, it didn't feel like, but there, even in that, everyone there has a feeling, uh, well, not everyone, a lot of people have uh, some inclination towards spiritual things, they, whether that's believing in ghosts or, or something like that, there is some spiritual element. Yeah, Jamie, for you, what, when you're working with Iranians and Afghans and even Tajiks, do you feel that's true as well, that there's uh, more opening to faith? Or would you consider that most of them are already deeply embedded in the Muslim faith, so they're already Yeah, well, first of all, just, you know, I think it's important that people understand that Islam and Islamic, you know, communities, it's, it's not monolithic, you know, Turks are totally different than Iranians, you know, and their approach to Islam is different. Well, even their sect, of course, but even, even within Sunni or even within Shia, you know, you can have great diversity. Like, for example, when we were in Tajikistan, we were coming out also out, it's interesting, ties into maybe, you know, what God might have in the future for China. Um, but when uh, Tajikistan, when we f first were there, they were just kind of emerging from communism. And so they had spent, you know, decades not really being able to practice Islam, at least not confidently. And, and it was definitely suppressed. And then there was this explosion, I would say. And every year that we were there, unfortunately, um, the expression of the people's suppressed religious tendencies was starting to reemerge. And so they were practicing Islam and, you know, the numbers of people on the streets that were going to the mosque uh, for evening prayers, you know, year by year, you could just physically see the crowds increasing. Um, and so, you know, whether or how the different Persian groups not being mo monolithic have, have reacted to the gospel itself is, is also very different. You know, um, the Tajiks are, um, pretty proud of you know their islamic heritage and there are some really good things happening in the churches emerging there uh and and even some tajiks that i that i'm working with are even starting to uh really disciple afghans which i think is tremendously exciting you know that they yeah. have that vision across the border um and and then the afghans uh in in my experience at least have, have kind of been um, hesitant. They're also moving towards the gospel in bigger numbers. And, you know, even when we went back a couple of years ago to visit Istanbul, I felt that there was a, a, a definite uh, difference in the amount of receptivity that I saw in the, in the Afghan community and just the numbers of Afghans, because there's always Afghans in any given Iranian church pretty much across the globe. You always had the Afghans kind of in the back, uh, but there were more of them and they were actually talking amongst themselves, not hiding the fact that they're interested in the gospel from each other. 
So there were some really good dynamics that were happening. And, but I, I'd say in general that Afghans are, are more resistant and um, still pretty proud. And, and the Iranians, meanwhile, uh, for whatever reasons, and, and I think ultimately we have to just attribute it to the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, are the most receptive, you know, uh, Muslim people group in the world. And uh, I think they're growing. Evangelical church growth is like 19% a year or something like that. Um, and it's tremendous. And uh, it's messy. You know, they're, the churches are, they do struggle because they're first generation churches. They've never had a pastor before. The pastor has never had a flock before. It's really uh, interesting to walk through that process with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Iranians are, you know, definitely, they attribute, they attribute their suffering, you know, a lot of times, you know, to Islam. And so that opens them not just to Christianity, but to pretty much anything but Islam is, is not, not too far from the truth that I've experienced and in, in most of the Iranians that I've known. Um, and so there's just a spiritual receptivity um, and the other two groups being more reticent. So you said a couple of things that um, I think are probably of special interest to people who are um, Americans and don't immerse themselves in the overseas experience um, that not every Islamic group is the same. And um, Dustin, I'm kind of wondering too from you, uh, when Americans think about missions in China or just China in general, what are some things that they probably need to know and may not know? Okay. Um, well, I think that one of the best things that Americans can do to bless uh, China is reaching out to international students uh, when they're here because there's lots of Chinese international students they yeah. value education and they've got money to make it happen so yeah. uh, I think those numbers will be going down in the next uh, well they're already down really low right now but they'll, they'll be down for a while you know, with the politics but uh, still there'll be some around and uh, to reach out to them uh, and get to know them I mean, cross-cultural differences are real and Craig, did you? Yeah, I think that Dustin froze there for a moment. So until he comes back, yeah, let's talk just a little bit more, Jamie. Okay. You were telling me kind of a fascinating story about Christian music and Iran. Mm -hmm. And um, on uh, using music online. Yeah, I mean, that was... So this is, I guess, another way that the world has changed and, and missions should, uh, would, would do well to notice um, that, you know, it's, it's not just that the, the home country, Iran in this case, is, is you know, sort of exporting their culture. Um, you know, the, uh, the Iranians in, in LA in, in many ways, um, and part of this has to do with, with, the, with the political situation and the lack of especially creative creative freedom in their country. Uh, so in LA, the Iranians are the artists, you know, they, they sort of create and export, or uh, is that, I guess, is that export back into Iran? 
um, whether it be secular or, you know, faith-based evangelical content. Uh, and so there's a number of really fantastic um, ministries that are, that are through music and, and other forms of art are sharing the gospel. And because of, yeah, again, because of uh, the, the technology that's available, uh, they they're able to access and you know you know a Christian uh, music video c could go viral in Iran you know sung by um, Iranian musicians in a place like LA not necessarily LA they do the same thing out of England and other places um, so yeah that's definitely a trend and I I hope and pray I don't know um, much outside of the Persian context, but I hope and pray that's being repeated um, in every uh, group and every language. Yeah, that was a yeah, that was something I wouldn't have ever thought about. Well, we'll hope we'll before we're ending and we're almost done, but um, mm -hmm. hope to get Dustin back in the meantime. What are some things that we could be praying for your ministry? Sure. And before we end, you know, could we, I'd, I'd hope to also add just a little bit about, about um, a few more, more things that I've thought about, about um, the things about missions that never change. Cause I think it's always okay. uh, yeah. important to reiterate that, you know, we're not totally fluid and we can do whatever we want and um, that there's not a base or a foundation. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to speak to that a little bit before, um, before we uh, end and before I give you some, some requests. Um, and also I wanted to say too, like as, as exciting as it is that, you know, I'm able to uh, really reach out all over the world, even from my house here in the middle of um, the suburbs. Um, and, you know, in technology, especially kind of, I've noticed, especially during quarantine, how powerful a funnel it is of interest. You know, you can, um, you can find, or, or maybe more accurately, the people that are actually interested in the gospel find you. And then you can create these groups very, very rapidly um, compared to the time often it takes to do it in person. Um, and that's been really exciting to be able to do that. Um, but as far as, you know, how, how does, you know, this tech and, and these sorts of things, how does that relate to the things that don't ever change? about our endeavor um, in missions and, and church planting and the gospel. Um, I was thinking through the lens, especially, because of course, you know, um, hey, Dustin's back, yay. So I was monopolizing the time a little bit more than usual when you were completely out of the picture there. <laughs> so I guess just to finish my thought and then we can, we can go with Dustin again. Um, I was thinking, you know, of course, the things that never change are, um, you know, the gospel itself, um, you know, the, the word of God, um, you know, the, the way the spirit works, these sorts of things are eternal, uh, the message. Um, but even within methodology, I've been thinking a lot about this being stuck in my house for five months. Um, what sorts of things about, you know, my previous methodology are kind of non-negotiable and what things do I really have to continue to do 
once I can confidently interact with people in person again. And so I've been thinking about questions like, you know, um, you know, can church planting be digital, like really, you know, in its entirety? Or, you know, can, dis can discipleship be scaled? Um, can you mass disciple or is discipleship personal? And I, I was thinking back to a book I read in college by a Puritan pastor, Richard Baxter, wrote uh, uh, The Reformed Pastor. It's a classic. And he's so idealistic and stern in that book that it really scared me when I was, um, you know, a college kid. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like not a livable way to do ministry. And he especially, I remember, was focusing on how personal ministry is like you have to know the soul, you know, uh, almost in, in its entirety of every person in your flock. And I was like, how, how in the world can you, can you do that? And what, is, what are the implications of that for how you structure church and ministry? And I kind of been back to thinking about that a little bit more recently with being online because um, even less than usual, of course, Dustin will probably commiserate with this, but you know, cross-culturally, I always like know the least language um, and culture in the room, even, even when I'm technically in charge. And, and I don't know the souls and the culture of these people. And, and I think that that's something that doesn't change about missions, like not to discourage because it's always that first step of obedience, like to engage with that coworker uh, with the gospel, like you just, you just have to start. Um, you know, and we had to start when we didn't know a single word of any language. Um, but then you grow in it. And, and I, I think that you become, you know, and, and Dustin and Nikki have definitely become much more Chinese. And, and even though maybe, yeah, we can't be like Hudson Taylor in that, in that complete sense, like what he was able to incarnate, uh, we try to approach it. And we try to uh, be diligent to year after year make progress in learning the language and so that we can actually know the souls of people and you know with all these people that i i kind of am discipling in places like turkey and greece and california like still i mean you can see there's some tension there and some things definitely for thought like what does this mean about you know how, I don't want to only be online because I feel like you really have to know the people. And so whether I know what, what it's going to be mean for Dustin Nikki is probably different than Ashley and I. Um, but how are we going to um, do things locally, do things personally, travel to make some of that happen and not just um, completely go modern with tech? Because I think there's some non-negotiables about how the church is designed to be physical that we definitely should think about. Yeah. Thank you for that. Dustin, does that all make sense to you? I'm glad to have you back. No, thanks. Yeah, I, I agree. The, there are, there are things that we can do with technology um, that are new tools that make it really convenient. And there are things that we can't do. Um, <clears throat> so, and I think that one of the reasons that Jamie and I can also accomplish what a lot of what we can on technology is because of our previous in-person experience, the That's development true. of relationships, uh, the cultural knowledge and experience, um, yeah. things that you couldn't you just start out in America doing. You'd have to be among the people. But that said, you know, then there's, there's the advantages that we can take care of uh, at the moment. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. All good points. Thank you. Well, we were wrapping up Dustin and I was asking Jamie for what prayer requests we might be able to have for him in the next year, he and his family and his ministry. And so I'll ask him that and then I'll come back and ask you the same thing. So Jamie, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've just been back in Kansas City for a year, and it's not been a normal year at that. Um, so I think we still have some um, transition to do. Uh, I'm really thankful for being here. Um, and I think we're starting to heal. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but you could just pray for wisdom. Um, some of the things that I was just mentioning about how to order ministry um, out of Kansas City, you could be praying for those things. Um, and, and, you know, what weighting to give to the different aspects, whether they be tech versus personal um, opportunities, both in Kansas City and in Nebraska is actually on my heart as well. Uh, so just pray for wisdom for that and then, and then for travel further. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I'm just really thankful for how the kids are doing. I think they're adjusting well. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for being back among lifelong friends. Um, you know, I think Dustin and I have experienced, um, you know, giving up at some level, a lot of um, really important relationships to us. And so I've been really thankful to really for in my adult life be trying to actually connect with, um, you know, the people that um, are most important to me here, here at home. Uh, so just pray for those relationships and that I can be a good son and a good, uh, you know, friend and, and all those things that I'm kind of out of practice with. So I think those would be good prayer requests for us. Yeah, thank you. And um, we'll pray for those. And then for Dustin, uh, a lot of people were praying fervently for you and your family during the amazing odyssey of trying to get back to America in a pandemic, which took, I don't know, that was more than a month that you guys were trying to figure out how to get back here. It felt like anyway. Oh yeah, it was a few months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're really glad to have you back. And what are things that we can be praying for, for you? Well, as we're back this year, um, trying to, to recover a little bit, uh, that would be good. Um, and, um, our next steps in ministry is, is a big thing. We don't feel a lot of pressure to decide right away, but over the next year, we need to figure it out and um, to know the next place we're going. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of people we're leaving behind. I was, I felt our ministry was in a pretty good uh, spot to leave, but it's never what you want it to be. So <laughs> I'd pray for people to, um, for some, some good leaders to, to help uh, run those groups. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you both you guys for being with us today and Mill Creek or anybody who's hearing these podcasts, please uphold Dustin and Jamie and their families and be praying for them in the coming year. Thanks guys. Thanks for being with us. All right. Bye -bye. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So long.